Hey everybody, welcome to episode 15 of Junior Golf Keys. I'm your host, Matt, and uh, happy Thanksgiving. Today is Thanksgiving Day, uh, if you're listening to this on the day that it's posted. So I hope that you guys are having a great week. I hope you're having a great day, spending some time with the people that you care about, uh, whether it be friends or family or all the above. Um, I've got a really special guest this week. Uh, the man that introduced me to the game of golf, somebody that I'm super thankful for, and that's my dad. Um, had a chance to sit down and talk to him. When I first started my podcast a while back, I asked him if he would ever consider being on. He was kind of you know, a little bit iffy about it, wasn't really sure what this whole thing was all about. Uh, I just had a chance to listen to some episodes. I brought it back up again um, you know, as Thanksgiving was rolling around, and uh he graciously agreed and just had a blast uh, chatting with him and kind of reliving some memories. Golf is one of those games that, um, you know, builds a lot of memories, builds relationships really well. And um, it's definitely done that for my dad throughout the years. So um, dad had a very successful career growing up as a young player, uh, went on to play college golf at Ole Miss where he won on the college uh, stage uh, his junior year of college, won his first tournament, uh, then went on to kind of test the waters as a teaching pro uh, the year after college and uh, ultimately ended up um, in the insurance industry where he's had a long, successful career and golf has played uh, such a huge part in um, business for him and the places that he's been able to play through. Uh, business and just being a good golfer. So we chat about a lot of stuff like that. Uh, some of the mentors and people that he looked up to growing up and some of the lessons that he learned through the game um, and some of the lessons that I learned as well. And so I think it's going to bring a good dynamic for you guys, whether you're a parent listening to this or a player listening to this, trying to understand more about that uh, parent-player relationship, um, coach-parent uh player relationship, those types of things. So um, really think you guys are going to enjoy this chat. I had a blast with it. Super thankful for my dad. And if you guys sit tight, I'll be right back uh, so you guys can hear our chat. All right, guys, welcome back uh, to episode 15 of Junior Golf Keys. It's Thanksgiving week, and uh, I'm super excited for my guest this week, uh, my dad, uh, somebody that I'm super thankful for, and uh, I've got him joining us this week. Uh, my dad played, as I said in my intro, um, dad played college golf at University of Mississippi, Ole Miss, um, has had a long career in the insurance industry where golf has played a big part in that. Um, obviously I grew up as a junior golfer and so he's got some perspective from a parent side and, uh, just want to have a chat with him and bring you guys some value, um, around, you know, that parent child relationship and just some other things that my dad's had some good experience, uh, in the world of golf and business, um, with the game. So dad, how's it going? It's going well, Matt. It's going well. I uh, appreciate the opportunity to get on the call with you. Um, I 
thank you for what you said, uh, for being thankful for me. I'm thankful for you as well and uh, really proud of what you're doing. So I'm, I'm looking forward to the call today. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, yeah it's a fun show. We've had some good guests on. Uh, looking forward to just us kind of chatting about golf and our relationship and see where it goes. So yeah. not, not a huge plan, but we'll just go with that. Let's do it. Um, so for the audience, can you kind of just talk about um, your journey in golf, kind of how you got introduced to the game um, and how you grew up? playing the game of golf and, and learning the game of golf and then, you know, high school and college and just kind of walk us through that timeline a little bit. You bet. Um, you know, it's been a, a, a lifetime journey for me. I'm almost 60. And uh, the first time I was introduced to golf was by my grandfather, uh, Quarter. He was, it's my mom's dad. And the old World Series of Golf used to be played at Firestone Country Club, and he took me out there when I was seven years old in 1967, and uh, the ropes were down. There weren't any then, and you could just pretty much go where you wanted, and I got some unbelievable autographs. You've actually seen those. I've framed oh, yeah. some of them, and uh, so that was my, my introduction to it, and then um, when I was eight years old, my dad quit a career in the in the food business and bought a golf course and I didn't really know what that meant but I'll, I'll say that probably I mean I may have played golf in my lifetime if he didn't do that but that was a, a game changer that was a life changer for me because I we moved to Lodi Ohio after my dad bought an Oldbrook golf course after my second grade school year ended he bought me a set of Scotty golf clubs that I still have. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, the first time I touched those clubs, he said, you know, I got a lot of work to do. They were building a business, he and my mom. And he said, you know, here, here's some clubs. Um, there's a golf course, go play. And yeah, I remember teeing it up and going, this is the coolest thing ever. And I, I was hooked that, that very day. I remember hitting that ball down number one. And I was hooked. Yeah. He didn't have much experience in golf or did he? He did not. Um, he played a league over at a little municipal golf course in um, Akron. And that's all I know about. It. He was a he was a really high level bowler. So he was he had considered the professional bowling tour at one time. So he was really doing that a lot. But he did play a golf league and it was probably more a uh, he was a manager for for a food chain. And I think it was probably a company league something like yeah. that but we never talked about golf so okay okay yeah yeah <clears throat> yeah it's funny um you talk about that uh trip with grandpa quarter out to firestone it's hard to like help people visualize uh that that board that you have down in the basement but it's yeah. pretty cool i mean what are i mean i i think i can remember some of the names but I, the way that it's set up it's really neat guys there's um a bunch of different signatures of names that you can recognize, like well, you've got Jack Nicholas and is Palmer on there? Uh, Arnold, who are Palmer. some of the people? Yeah, Arnold Palmer, um, Ken Venturi's on there. Johnny Miller in 1967 had to be only in his early 20s. He's in there. Yeah. Um, Tommy Bolt, who was at the other end of the spectrum from Johnny Miller. He was about ready to you know, retire at that point. So, yeah, lots of great Lee Trevino's on there. Um, 
Bobby Nichols, who was the head pro, but also a really good PGA player at the time is on there as well. And I know what you're leading up to. So right in the middle, um, this is a frame of probably two feet by three feet. Yeah. Right in the middle is RJ Corden. <laughs> <laughs> and that's my grandpa. Yeah. And uh, the, the story behind that is there's a, there's a big oak tree by the ninth green at Firestone. And it's still there because I played there this summer and uh, showed the guys I was playing with the tree. And my grandpa had a, a pretty good sense of humor. And um, he said, he said, you know, there were no ropes. And he said, um, I'm going to go stand over by the, that tree. And when I give you the signal, which he flicked his ear, did something, you know, we had our <laughs> signal. And he said, you come flying over to me with your uh, autograph tablet. And let's see what we can, what happens. Let's just see what, so I, as soon as he did that, I ran over there and shoved it up in his face like we would with any pro. And there were probably within two minutes, 30 kids. And, and he, he stood there and gave out, he, he, he signed everybody's autograph. And, you know, the, it was kind of funny because the dads were like, you know, who is that? And, <laughs> right. And, but he was giving out the autographs. But I, I saved that one. It was in one of my autograph books. And I put it in the, in the, right in the center of that, that picture. Because he was, you know, yeah. he's, he's the guy. He's the guy who introduced me live to golf. For sure. Pretty for cool. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Those are fun experiences. I mean, I remember, I don't even know how old I was. I mean, we were probably in middle school, I think. And you took me and my buddy, uh, Knox Martin out to TPC, uh, Sugarloaf. I yes. know you were actually, it's funny. I'm sitting in my office right now. That was in 1999. Okay. And, I've got a hush y'all paddle <laughs> on my wall. Yes. And the Bell, Bell South Classic. Right. Um, David Toms, Jesper Parnovic. I'm trying to read a couple of the names. Um, but that was a cool experience. I think those are fun experiences too, like just for any of you that are out there that get an opportunity to to go to a tournament, you know, with your dad or, you know, with somebody that means a lot to you and then kind of experience that with them. I remember um, – when Knox and I were out there, I think you were marshalling on the 18th tee, if I'm I was. not mistaken. I was. Yeah. Yep. Um, so I think Knox and I kept running back and forth between 17 green and 18 tee, you know, pretty much all day, I think. And I remember one of the last groups to come through uh, was D.A. Wybring. I don't know yes. if you remember this or not, but um, Knox and I were having a competition, you know, who could collect the most golf balls all day long. And, uh, D.A. Wybring came through and we both asked him for a ball. He kind of looked at his caddy and said, you know, what do we got left? And he said, we got one ball left. And he goes, all right, boys. He pulled up the rope and let us come out on the 17th green uh, for a putting contest, which I won. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I know if Knox is going to listen to this, there's going to be an asterisk because Knox is a left-handed player and we were using a right-handed putter. So <laughs> I had a little bit of an advantage, I guess. Nice. Nice. Uh, and I do remember that. And, um, I was, um, I was on the 18th tee and, you know, the thing that, the thing that I would encourage parents to do because of that. So that, you know, that's one thing that you remember out of all that stuff over those years. Um, you know, I've, I've talked to some parents who say, you know, I don't really want to take my kids out there because, you know, we walk all day and they get bored and, you know, it's, I don't know if it's really going to be worth it. Well, I'll tell you, you know, when you and I are talking here, just getting the autographs that I got back in the day, just get having a putting contest with D.A. Wybring and getting a signed golf ball 
or that hush y'all sign signed by players. Mm -hmm. Kids hang on to that stuff. And there's no better way to expose a kid to the, this great game than just go let them see it and have something fun like that happen. Yeah. It's, it's, it really means a lot. For sure. For sure. And I remember, I don't think you marshaled the whole tournament because I think that mom and maybe the girls came out. I can't remember, but I've also got hanging up uh, a ping golf hat. Okay. And uh, I don't know if you remember this, you were marshaling this day because um, Tiger was actually one of the last guys to come through that day. And I remember you asked him uh, if he could give an autograph and I don't remember exactly how he reacted, but we ended up, (laughs) you ended up getting an autograph for Knox and I mine's on this hat. I think Knox had one in a little notepad. Yeah. Um, But that hat I had gotten earlier in the week from a player named Kelly Gibson. Oh yeah. I remember him. And we were walking. uh, If I remember correctly, we were walking up by the clubhouse and I had asked him for an autograph and he said, well, I tell you what, you know, and I think he asked you guys, can he come inside with me for a second? So he took me into the locker room and he said that if I helped him carry his shoes out to his car, which he clearly didn't need help, you know, with that, but just trying to make me work for it a little bit, I think. Sure. Um, if I carried him out that, you know, he'd give me a autograph when we got out there. So not only did he give me an autograph, but he gave me a couple hats and I don't know, it's just a cool memory. So I don't yeah, know if you'd add anything to that. I do remember that. I remember he had a whole stack of these things because, you know, those mm-hmm. guys get a lot of goods and yep. uh, you were, you were really, really excited about being able to get any kind of merchandise for one and then, you know, helping him, you know, that's the kind of stuff you remember, right? So you, you yep. helped him carry his stuff out and here's a real tour pro and you got to help him do that. And yeah, uh, one, one of the things you and Knox really liked on the, on the lighter side of that, one of the things you really liked about that was that we let you skip school that day to go out to the golf course. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, for sure. You were, you guys were so excited, kind of apprehensive, but then once you got in the swing of it, you were fine and you forgot all about school that day. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun. Uh, talk to us a little bit about like growing up. I mean, you talked about kind of how you got introduced to the game and you teed it up and just went out and started to play. Yeah. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of an instruction or it wasn't as prevalent, I think, as it is now. Um, so you just kind of went out and learned how to put the ball in the hole. Well, we did. Um, so one of the things that helped me learn to put the ball in the hole was the type of golf course we had. So if you can imagine all you golfers out there, Pinehurst and the signature of Pinehurst number two are the um, greens that sit up above the ground and if you miss the green it rolls off the side and rolls down the hill so all of our greens at my dad's golf course were um, like that so I got really creative with the short game on that but when you went let's let's go back to instruction so my uh, my instruction was from an old pro who gave lessons at the golf course named Harpy Fairhurst and Harpy was a really good player and he was probably in his sixties when I was a kid. He seemed like he was that old anyway. I, <laughs> I used to, um, I used to what he called shag balls for him when he gave lessons. So I would take my bag, go, you know, however far he wanted me out there, he would give lessons and people would hit balls and I would pick them up. And then I would also listen to what he was telling people. Mm. And then, and then we played a lot together and, um, 
as, as I grew up. So probably starting at the age of 10, he was nice enough to let me in the group to play. Yeah. And I, I played round after round after round with Harpy Fairhurst. And, you know, he was, he wasn't, he wasn't very easy on me. And I think the one lesson that came out uh, from him was um, I left a, he was my partner one day, which made me really nervous. And, and he, and he, I hit a putt short. I was probably 10, 12 feet from the hole and I left it short and I never, I'll never forget how mad he was that I left a putt short and he pulled me off to the side and he wanted to win the bet, of course. And I, we didn't win it because of that. And he said, don't ever, ever leave a putt short again when I see you or you're going to be, you're going to be in big trouble. So yeah. when, when I, when I leave a putt short to this day at age 60, I think of Harpy Fairhurst. So, <laughs> so he was in, you know, he gave me some swing instruction, but not a lot. Uh, like you said, it wasn't as formalized then, but then there were two other guys who I got instruction from over the years. One was Jack Purdom. Um, and he's the guy who taught me how to chip with every club and not just my pitching wedge and sand wedge. Yeah. So he, he took me out and taught me how to do that. And then the other guy who gave me my golf swing instruction and course management was Bernie Allen. He was the head professional at Westfield Country Club, where I've been a member at, since uh, 1982. And Bernie was the head pro when I was a kid. And he would help me with my swing. And he, we had things back then called sequence cameras. And mm-hmm. so instead of a film, you would get like 20 still shots of of uh, swing of your swing at different points in the swing. And right. so he would do that for me as well. He did that when I was at Ole Miss uh, playing, I would send it, we'd send it back and forth. And then he also uh, spent hours and hours with Bernie in his uh, living room talking about the round that day and what would I have done different and how did I react to this, et cetera, et cetera. So he helped yeah. me with my management. So I had some, whether formal or not, I had some pretty good instruction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I definitely want to get into talking about your relationship with Bernie, but um want to kind of talk about, well, before we get into that, you mentioned Westfield. It's the course that I grew up on. Uh, they're in the process of remodeling right now a little yes. bit with the, with the North course, the South course just opened um, in the summer. We got to play the member guests together. That was awesome. Looking forward to coming back next year to, yeah. uh, right some wrongs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're going to win this one. Um, but you've had, you've had an awesome career at Westfield. I had a call with Mark Scott and just kind of wanted to double check some numbers. Uh-huh. Um, so you've won the club championship there 11 times. Um, you've won correction. the match. Correction. Oh, I've won that 13. Sorry. I have to well, hold Mark. Mark miscounted them. He I'm going to have to call him back. You got it. You got to yell at him about that. Whoops. Yes. So 13 times since 1982. So that's what, 37 years? 37 years. And uh, actually 12 of those years, I I didn't live here. I was uh, in Indianapolis in a marketing position in Atlanta in a marketing position. So, yeah. Yeah. So over half of them. Over half. Not a bad track record. Seven match plays. Is that correct? Seven match plays is correct. And three big tens? And three big tens. Yeah. And the big big ten is... uh, a tournament where we start with 10 players on number one and one player gets eliminated every single hole and you get to the final hole and, and you, there are two of you and you, and you fight to the death at that point in time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
so you met Bernie out there in what year when you first started? He was the head pro there at the time? Well, I met Bernie when I was a kid, uh, before I knew anything about Westfield Country Club. My dad knew of it because he used to borrow equipment from Westfield to use on uh, Knollbrook, our, our golf course, because we didn't yep. have the type of equipment. So um, I, I'll, I'll tell you the story about how I met him and uh, tell you how I decided to be a member at Westfield even when I was 10 years old. So I came over to Westfield Center one day with my dad, and we were borrowing a mower. And I was 10, I remember it, and we drove down North Leroy Road, the road uh, we live on now, the road you grew up on. Mm -hmm. um, and we drove into town, and every house was perfect, every yard was perfect, and I'd never seen anything like it. And I, I said, Dad, I don't, I don't know what these people do around here, but, and then we also got to see the golf course in our little drive around town. He was showing me around. Yeah. So I'd seen the golf course and it was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. And he, I said, I don't know what these people do around here, but I said, I'm going to work here and I'm going to play at that golf course when I grow up. <laughs> and, and so we, we went into the pro shop and my dad and Bernie got to be really good friends. I don't know how or why or when, but they were really good friends. And that was evident to me when, when he was standing there talking to him. And that's when I met Bernie and at that point in time, my dad and he worked something out and Bernie used to come over to Nolbrook um, on occasion when my dad would call him and he would take me out and teach me things. And he had a hmm. different, different types of topics. You know, one was the swing day. One was a short game. One was, Hey, how would you play this hole? Um, and, and why would you do it that way? And what do you, you know, those kinds of things. So he was, he was, uh, that was an early introduction at age 10, very early introduction, but uh, it lasted until Bernie died at a pretty early age in his 50s from a, a pretty bad disease that he had. Yeah, yeah. So, well, What kinds of things did you guys like talk about? Because I mean, I remember you telling me stories about, you know, him making you call him after every round and yeah. walking through it. One of the things that I don't know, for me, it's super challenging, but you're really good at it. And I've always kind of like, wondered how you were so good at it like you could pull around from 20 years ago and <laughs> tell me every single shot that you hit and like for a yeah. while it was like do I just not care enough and I've tried to, <laughs> I've tried to do it and yeah, yeah I just can't do it so I mean I don't know is that something that helped you with that just being able to visualize and remember and those conversations you know, I never thought of it that way, but I, I would say definitely yes, because here, here's the typical day. So I, I, I played uh, when I was a junior player and then through high school, I played probably, I don't know, eight tournaments a summer. And then I played lots of practice rounds um, and then I practiced a lot. And uh, Bernie asked me when I started competing if I wouldn't mind coming to talk to him after I competed and I'm talking about every round, like round one, round two, round three. And yeah. then, you know, after the, after it was over. And so what we would do is sit in his room, you know, he had a family room, he had like three TVs on. So we'd watch, you know, whatever games were on and mostly golf. And, and he would sit there and he had kind of a, an, an uncomfortable stare and he was, and he was perfectly patient to sit there while I came up with the answer and he didn't get uncomfortable. I mean, it could be five minutes 
and he yeah. would just wait for me to answer the question. But he, but his questions to me were, um, tell me about your round today. What'd you shoot? Yeah. So I'd tell him that. Uh, as soon as I started saying, you know, I had, I had 75, but he'd say, no, no buts. Just tell me what you shot and uh, tell me, you know, what, what you were thinking. Did you have any parts of your round where you uh, lost your composure? Um, did you uh, have any parts of your round where you got so excited to be playing well or to have made a birdie that you lost your composure and it hurt you? Um, and then um, walk me through every hole. This guy, I mean, can you imagine you and you and I sitting there? I'm, I've done it with people, but yeah, uh, I I went through every single shot. Now I didn't give it a second thought because I thought, well, that's what everybody does. They just talk to you about every shot. Well, most people won't do that. He he went through every single shot with me and said, well, why would you do that? And why would you do that? And so I, I'll tell you one really good example. I have two examples of things that really re I remember from him. If you don't, do we have time? Oh, tons of time. Okay. So he, um, I, I was telling him around that I had a pretty good score. I don't remember where it was or what I shot, but I was going through the round saying, Hey, there was a right hand pin on this hole and I, I, I cut it in there. Then there was a left hand pin on this hole and I cut it in there and I, you know, kept it on this side of the fairway and cut it back to the middle. And so he let me go on and on like this for a while. And he had these really deadpan lessons learned statements for me. So I felt really proud about being able to move the ball, which yeah. there's some merit in that. So we get to the end and he said, um, I only have one comment. Just, just remember this. <laughs> there's never anything wrong with a straight shot down the middle ever yeah and, that, and then he just stopped talking <laughs> and, I, and i didn't i didn't know what to say but i got it yeah so don't get fancy just hit the ball in the green and get it in the hole right yeah yeah there was there was another story where one day i walked in and i had a toothpick in my mouth and it was dangling out the side of my mouth and so we talked the whole time he never asked me to take it out we talked for you know the typical one, two hours, whatever it was. And we got done with our talk. And he said, I only have one question for you. I thought it was going to be some question about my round or whatever. Um, what's the toothpick for? <laughs> and I said, um, I, no, no real reason. I just have it in my mouth. And he goes, good. He said, uh, that's what I thought. Don't ever, don't ever put a toothpick in your mouth. There's no reason to draw attention to yourself ever. Just go, let your golf game do the talking. Hmm. So let's go. All right. Yeah. Then he's then. And the last example I'll give you is um, I shot a 62 at Westfield one year, which stood um, tied for the course record for a long time on the South golf course. And so I came in, this was when I was, I forget how old I was, but I, I came in and talked to him and uh, he said, what'd you shoot today? Actually, no, this was a 64. This was the first time I got real low on the South. Yeah. Uh, the 62 came after I was at Westfield uh, companies shot 64 came in the house uh, and he said, what'd you shoot today? And I said, 64. And his, you know, not very typical for him. His eyes kind of raised. He was like, Oh, all right. <laughs> well, have, have a seat. Yeah. Um, tell me his only question was, cause he wanted to see if I was getting to be a good player. His only question to me was, 
was it luck or can you do it again? Mm. And can you, can you repeat that? Yeah. And I said, I don't, I was old enough then to ask the question. I don't understand your question or why you're asking me that. Yeah. And he said, if it was luck, then you're not making the progress that I thought you would. If it was something you can repeat again, because you hit good shots. Now we're making progress. So that, that those, those things always, I always remember all those things. Yeah. Do you remember how you responded after that? Uh, to the golf or to just to him once he uh, explained the question. Yeah. Once he explained the question, um, my confidence level soared Yeah, because I went back through the round and I was like, wow, I didn't make any 80 foot putts. I didn't chip anything in. Right. I didn't do this. Didn't do that. I just hit it down the fairway on the green, made the putts, kept my composure. And, you know, I was like, I think I can play this game. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's, I mean, obviously you guys had a really good relationship. I mean, if you can, I just want to tie it back to trying to give some advice to the group that's listening, but yes, you know, what, what would you advise in terms of, you know, finding, people finding their Bernie Allman, I guess Mm. you would say, Um, you know, how do you find somebody like that? I mean, for you, I I think it's maybe a little bit of serendipity, right? But at the same time, um, you know, if you're seeking somebody out and you're trying to, you know, find somebody that you can confide in and and share everything about, you know, with your round and, you know, get some advice. I mean, I guess just why is that so important for a player? Well, it's so important for a young player to be, be able to identify with somebody older that they really admire, which I did. Um, mine, again, I think your word serendipitous was perfect because I don't know how I ever met him or how if I ever would have, but I think it was destined to be. Yeah. Uh, now, in, in today's day and age, you know, there's a lot of different uh, ways that kids are exposed to golf. One is a private country club setting like you were exposed to so there's a little bit of a built-in avenue for that if there's a a head professional or assistant professional there that you uh, you can go see and get lessons from and just build that relationship and build confidence there's the public golf piece of it Um, and I can tell you growing up at, at Knollbrook I mean this golf course wasn't the finest golf course in the world it wasn't that well known it was nine holes um but i i did there's always somebody at these golf courses that would will like to help a kid boy or girl and um that was harpy fairhurst for me i mean he just he was there um he saw that i could play um you know good good teachers and good mentors will seek out the kids who one have some talent and two want to work and mm. when, as soon as they find somebody who wants to work at it um they they latch on to those kids like you wouldn't believe and that's where some of those relationships are too i'm really really encouraged by the first t organization um they are bringing kids in um uh, to that organization and exposing them to golf they being the men and women who volunteer their time and those men and women um, are really, really good role models from what I can tell. So yeah. there's, an, there's another avenue. Um, 
you know, you could do the simple thing if you're a parent and just ask, you know, if you, if you notice that a kid has a really good role model um, and they really like going to talk to them, ask them who it is. You know, I I wasn't the only one in Westfield, Greg Meadows, John Griffin, Brad Weaver, uh, Matt Robinson. We were all the kids that we were Bernie's guys. Yeah, we we, we were the group and he saw something, all of us and helped us all. Yeah. So there's just a lot of different ways to do it. But I mean, if you're just absolutely drawing a zero on that as a parent, um, go go ask somebody and say, I want a mentor for my kid. Yeah. And yeah. that's outside of me. And who, who would that be? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's important to have somebody outside of the parent relationship. Just, you know, it's just a different dynamic for the kid. I know that, yeah. you know, I've had some kids confide in me, you know, both on the golf side when I was in the Academy world and then coaching little league baseball. Yeah. Um, it's just a different relationship. So sometimes parents, the kids, um, you know, just feel more comfortable. And that's not a, a diss to the parent. That's just a, it's a different relationship. Maybe it's a smaller age gap. Um, you know, they don't view the person as a, an authoritative figure maybe. Right. So they're a little bit more comfortable um, just to kind of tell the truth sometimes, which I mean, you know, we telling the truth is important, but you know, sometimes with feelings, I think that kids can maybe hold back feelings uh, for fear of disappointing a parent or something like that. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that happens. And then, uh, you know, on the flip side of that though, you have people like Justin Thomas yep. um, and, and players like that, whose mentor is their parent. So that's a really valuable resource too, man. If you could make that work, um, you know, it's, it's twice as good probably because a parent, you know, nobody knows you better than your parent and yep. vice versa. And boy, if you can, if you can, uh, get that relationship going. Um, and I know there are parents out there who are really, really good at that. Um, do it, keep doing it because yeah. the kids, the kids just going to benefit from it to no end. Yeah. Yeah. I just had that conversation last week with, uh, Max Moldovan, who was on the podcast uh, Sure, and his dad's a teaching pro and they live on the course that he grew up on. And so he has had that type of a relationship too, with his dad growing up. Yeah, that's cool. It, it doesn't happen as often as you think, but boy, when it does, it's really neat. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Jack Purdom also playing a role and mm-hmm. playing a specific role. Uh, probably did more than just this, but you mentioned specifically teaching you how to chip with every club in your bag. Yes. And um, I don't know if you remember this or not, but go back to middle school again. And uh, my best golf buddy growing up, Knox Martin, uh, you also pulled us out of school one day. And Knox's family was, were, they were members at Atlanta Athletic Club. And you had asked his dad, if you could take us out there, um, we had told you that, you know, we wanted to play college golf and, you know, wanted to aspire to play professionally. And uh, I think your comment to us was, well, if you want to know what it takes, um, we'll take you out of school one day and I'll take you out there and I'll give you a day and, and show you what it takes. And I remember Thinking back, I mean, we spent, I can't remember how long we were out there in total, but I want to say at least 80% of the time, you know, we spent chipping and putting short game. Um, And I remember like, we kept asking you like if we were going to play and you said, no, you know, I told you (laughs) I was going to, you know, teach you what it's like to put in the work and, you know, get to the next level. And, you know, this is what it takes. And so do you remember that at all? 
Oh gosh, do I remember? Thanks for bringing that that up, and thanks for remembering that. I felt um, probably like a lot of teachers and parents. I, I when I got done with that day, I was like, I don't know if I really got the point across, and I'm not sure how good a job I did, but apparently it made an impact uh, <laughs> on you, and that, that's really good. That was the point. So we went to this. I remember the whole day. I, yeah, I, we we actually played nine at the end of the day at that little right par three course. I can't remember the name of it, but it had had a soldier on the scorecard. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, I, the hooch, the hooch we played yep. at the end of the day, we played nine holes just to put together what we had worked on during the day. And we went by that putting and chipping green out around the clubhouse. Mm-hmm. And we just tried all kinds of different kinds of shots. And what I, the point I wanted to make with you that day was, and I, I don't see it enough today uh, nor did I see it a lot in my age group was the amount of time you need to spend to perfect your, your game and your craft. And yeah. um, it's okay not to want to do that. Just be ready for somebody else who worked at it harder to um, have a little more success at it at times. It could happen that way. And yeah. I, I, re- I remember uh, actually my, <clears throat> my uh, work ethic around that came uh, a lot from Bernie Alleman again. Um, he, he told me two things when I was, uh, starting to get into the game at, you know, 11, 12, really getting into it. And I knew I wanted to play. He said, um, be the last person at the golf course, because then, you know, from a confidence standpoint that nobody else worked harder than you that day. But remember, even if you leave the golf course in Ohio at dark in another time zone, somebody else is still working. So you need to decide how long you want to stay. Mm. So he told me that. And then he said, always spend at least 50% of your time on your short game. Yeah. And that doesn't mean 10 balls. He said, because if you're going to work at your game, you're probably going to be here six or eight hours during the day. If you work, if you practice eight hours that day, practice at least four hours on your short game over and over and over and over. And, um, you know, I, I've always used that approach always. And yeah. the, the, the one, the, the leaving before dark creates a little bit of a competitive edge. I think he wanted to see who's the toughest because I, I'll tell you, I, I've gotten really, really furious out at the golf course when somebody was still there and they wouldn't leave and I wanted to leave. <laughs> and so I, I, but I stayed and, and I thought, well, you son of a gun, I, you know, I stayed longer than you did. I'm going to be better than you. Yeah. And it was, it was a total mind game with Bernie. It was a confidence builder. Yeah. Yeah. I just saw recently they broke down like what the tour players, where they spend their time when they practice. And it's funny, a lot of the high-level players that I've interviewed on here, junior players, professional, collegiate players, just asking them where they spend their time, very yeah. few of them are spending a lot of time hitting balls on the range. Yeah. They're either Their practice time is a short game, and they're yes. making you know, games with themselves, games with a buddy, you know, just competing you know, short game-wise, and then mm-hmm. they go out and play, and they figure out how to 
Um, or, you know, they create different shots while they're out on the golf course. You know, there's some different ways that you can do that by hitting two balls and you have to play the worst one. Ooh, yeah. Or, yes. Yes. you know, or only, um, you know, only playing with a specific, um, like, number of clubs. You know, you get to pick three clubs yeah. and that's what you have to go play with and you just go figure yeah. it out. Yeah. Um, yeah. So – you know, the short game is just so important. Oh, what I was going to say about the, the pros is, you know, they break down their time. I want to say it was like 70% of their time was, well, yeah, it was probably about 65 or 70% of their time was spent 120 yards and in. Um, it was like 15% was spent with their driver. And then the remaining, what, 10, 15% was spent um, with their sure. irons. So, it was just interesting to me. And um, I actually had a kid one day tell me super high level kid has won on a very big stage, multiple big stages um, told me that he didn't really practice his short game. Cause if he could just figure, if he could just hit the ball well and work well enough on his iron play, he wouldn't need a wow. short game. What would you say to that kid? Oh gosh. I would, uh, I would say that, that might work for a while and it'll work on some days, but from a consistency standpoint, uh, that's not going to work. And from a longevity standpoint, that's not going to work at all because as you get older, you lose um, a little bit of your physical ability and your coordination. And so that ball striking uh, has to be substituted by a really, really good short game as you get older. And so um, I, I would say that's, that's a path of destruction. I really will. I mean, you, you look at guys like uh, DJ, Dustin Johnson on the tour. Yep. He was really, really good on the tour when he came out. Um, however, he wasn't where he wanted to be. And and there you can go research how much time he's now spent on his uh, 120 in in the last several years. Yep. And, and he catapulted to number one in the world. And he attributed it all to the improvement in his short game not as ball, ball striking. Yeah. I was, I was doing a uh, analysis of my year. So it's, it's cold and going to start snowing up here in Ohio pretty soon. So we're kind of wrapping up the season. And so I looked at my scoring average, which was 74.45 uh, this year. And I looked at back and didn't, wasn't real happy with that. Uh, so I looked back at my um, habits over the summer Yeah, and I, did not spend 10% of my practice on my short game this summer because I was trying to, to uh, hone some swing things that had gotten out of, out of kilter. But I, mm -hmm. I, with a normal short game, my normal short game a year ago, my scoring average would have been right at the 71 level, not 74.5. So uh, yeah, perfect example and i think your kids if they if they uh, trace their stats are going to find out when they go around they could hit the ball the exact same way every single round that they just shot a 74 on and if they had a decent short game that day they would have been under par yeah yeah why is it so important to track stats uh so the the easiest answer to that for me is you find out where you're where you're falling short and uh, you know, you, you go around the golf course and you shoot 72, which sounds pretty good. And you didn't keep any stats. Uh, a guy like Bernie Allman would have said, well, so, you know, tell me about your round. 
And if you can't tell him about your round, he'd say, well, how do you know how to get to 70? Or how do you know how to get to, you know, 68? If you don't, if you can't even tell me how you did. And so the statistics and you keep them uh, religiously, I know you do. And I hope most players, especially junior players are keeping those statistics. Uh, Fairways hit, greens hit, number of putts, number of up and downs. Uh, all that stuff is just so important to, to then, then it gives you something to work on. Sure. Yeah. I mean, at a minimum, those, those couple pieces at least can give you a lot of feedback in how you kind of work your practice sessions. Sure. Right. Absolutely. Um, I want to shift a little bit and talk about college. Okay. Um, I know that, so for those of you that don't know, dad grew up in Ohio, um, ended up going to University of Mississippi, Ole Miss, uh, in Oxford, Mississippi. And um, let's see, you won one tournament in college in 1981 at the Country Club of Jackson, shot 211, uh, you are. which if you can believe it or not, the Google does some pretty wild things, <laughs> um, even reaching back that wow. far. Um I was able to dig that up somewhere, and I saw your your good buddy. Um, oh gosh, who was your roommate? Randy, Randy Watkins, Watkins was yep. all all around you there with a couple wins too um, in the list that I found. So that was pretty neat to see that. Um, why did you go to Ole Miss? Yep. I mean, I know the story a little bit about you know the trip that you got you and your dad took. Good, um, but why did you land? Yeah, at Ole so Miss? I had um, three invitations to go visit the golf programs to see. Uh, where I wanted to play, and uh, one was University of Tennessee in Knoxville, one was at Clemson University, and then the third was at Ole Miss, and then I had some other um, opportunities in Ohio, Ashland University, Bowling Green, and, uh, and those. I didn't make those visits. Uh, my mindset was to go see if I could play with the big boys, if you will, and see just how far I could take my game, whether it was the right decision or not. I mean, it turned out to be a good one, but um, we visited Tennessee first, then we went to Clemson, and we visited Ole Miss last. And um, Tennessee and Clemson uh, both had um, three All-Americans returning, uh, very solid lineups, uh, which didn't really scare me. I thought that was just normal. And, you know, you go there and you try to work into the lineup. That was my mindset. Uh, yeah. I knew a couple of the players from Ohio uh, and I knew how good these players were. And, and then we went to Ole Miss. That was our final visit in the, in our, our leg of, we drove the whole thing and uh, met with coach Don Frugge uh, at Ole Miss in his office in the alumni house and uh, talked about the program. And so I wasn't a big talker then. I, I didn't do a very good job of asking questions, but my dad did a really good job of getting to the point saying, okay, what, what do you have here? What's the opportunity? Uh, basically was, is really what he was searching for. I didn't understand what he was trying to do there until afterwards. So at Ole Miss, uh, unlike Tennessee and Clemson, they had graduated their best players, uh, two All-Americans, and one not all American, but really good player. So it was it was uh, open game at Ole Miss, basically. So they had you know a couple of good freshmen coming in from Memphis, uh, and and it was like, hey, whoever can crack this lineup, 
and there are three, basically three open spots. So come and get it. And, and my dad and I talked about that on the way home. I could have gone to any one of those schools and we talked yeah. about it. And he said, you know, if it was me, I'd go where I could play. And he said, you could, you could go realistically, you can go play at Ole Miss right now. If you, if you go down there and you perform, you can crack the lineup right now. And and, which is what happened. And I ended up uh, our first golf tournament. uh, I ended up picking Ole Miss because of that. I thought it was really good advice. Um, It made sense to me. It was a great school, cool name in the sec you know, and yeah. I, I thought, you know, this is a good place to go. It was warm. I could play golf 10 months a year, which I'd never experienced in my whole life, which I thought was really neat. And uh, first tournament was in Biloxi, Mississippi at the Sun, I think it was the Sun Coast Invitational. Uh, lots of lots yeah. of SEC teams there. I qualified to get there. So I, I cracked the, the top five at home. Uh, at Ole Miss and I shot 75 76 in my first tournament and, and yeah. which was really respectable because it was tough I was nervous and uh, in my coach's rule was if you remained in the top three in the previous tournament you didn't have to qualify for the next one and there were two open spots and that happened to me a couple times in my four-year career but I stayed in that top three and missed three tournaments in college and I, I, I wow. really don't think I would have played, you know, we were playing 10 to 12 tournaments a year. So that's a lot of tournaments. I don't think I would have played half of that. If that, if I had gone to Clemson and uh, Clemson or Tennessee. So the advice yeah. I got from my dad was outstanding. Now you, you got two options as, as a college player, you can go to a place like that and crack the lineup and get in. You can do the the opposite uh, you know, go to, you know, uh, who was a young man you just interviewed Moldovan Max, yeah. he's Max going Moldovan. to Ohio yep. state. They're really good. So he's going to have to really, he's, you know, he, he's going to have to bring it when he comes there. And then, then you got, sure. you know, you got Duke, you got, uh, Stanford, you got, uh, you know, all what, what, um, you've got, had Cannon on from Alabama. He's going oh, to Alabama. I mean, that's so many. I mean, you pick one. any SEC school, Auburn, and, you, and you're going to be good. Yeah. Anything on the West Coast in that in that area out there, just really, really strong. So, you know, you got two choices, but boy, if there was a way you could, a, a, a golfer, man or woman, going into these college programs could look back and say, okay, could I play? and then make a decision based on that partly, um, they might be, they might play more tournaments and that's the idea. That's what yeah. you want to go there for. Right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Was there ever anything in your head, like when you were making that decision around just school environment, like if, you know, if anything ever happened and I got injured and I wasn't going to play golf anymore, like, is this somewhere that I would be going to school? Oh, um, for sure. So, you know, the one thing I really liked was just the school itself. Um, yeah, really neat old South school. It was a culture that I wasn't used to, um, that I, I, it was just, uh, you know, friendly people that Southern draw that the draw that the girls had just melded your heart. Uh, <laughs> so I love that. Um, but they also, there was also a very good business school. And in my freshman year, um, in second semester, I started my, um, 
some of my major classes. So I was in marketing and management. Yeah. So I was in accounting. And I remember Mr. Perry being just the greatest guy in the world. Mr. Malone was my finance teacher and he was really neat and really helped me. Um, I just, I just loved the whole thing. So I, I would have stayed there. I think I would have stayed there. Yeah. 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 Um, I want to talk a little bit about, are you oh, good yeah. on time? I can I mean, take as long as you want. Okay. Okay. Um, definitely want to talk about business and stuff, but I want to kind of jump back or, you know, continue with college and I want to kind of shift, uh, to myself for a second. So, um, I, for a long time, especially like the, you know, the industry that I work in now, where I was recruiting junior players in the academy world. And now I'm, you know, working on, uh, building a professional tournament on the corn Ferry tour. Um, I get asked a lot if I played college golf somewhere mm -hmm. and, um, I, until recently, and when I say recently, probably over the last three weeks, um, I've never really said it in the way that I've shifted to saying it now because it was a little, I was a little embarrassed oh, by it. Yeah. Um, meaning I, I always would kind of respond and say um, that, you know, I just decided not mm -hmm. to play, um, which is partially true, but the truth is, um, and we've actually never really talked about this. So uh, I guess we'll break down that wall, but just, I think it, it gives some good insight to kids and parents that are out there. That's why I want to share it. But um, the truth is I was out there, I was going to walk on to Eastern Kentucky university. Um, you know, we took a trip together. We visited a couple of schools um, like Eastern Kentucky thought I could have a decent shot of walking on and playing there. So I ended up deciding to go yeah. there and um, first day of tryouts, I go out. I think I was maybe four under through like, I don't know, eight holes or something like that. Three under maybe through eight holes started off really hot and I ended up shooting like 81. Yeah. I can't remember exactly what I shot. Um, and like, I called you like an hour after I got done with that and said, Hey, um, I don't think I want to play golf anymore. Uh, I want to join a fraternity. <laughs> and so, yes, <laughs> basically like I just packed it in and I quit. Okay. Um, and so like, I hadn't really accepted that until recently um, over the past few weeks, as you know, I've, you know, been going through this, uh, fitness and mental toughness challenge, and it's kind of opened up my eyes to a lot of things, um, you know, that have just kind of helped me come to some truths in different areas. And this was one of them. So, um, I'm just kind of curious cause I don't remember your exact response, but I never really felt like, um, you were mad about that decision. Um, like it never came off that way to me, even if, if you were, so I'm just kind of curious, like when I made that phone call, like what, <laughs> what was going through your yeah. head and, and why did you react the way that you do? Yeah. And, you and I, I will tell you, I was not mad at all. Um, I was curious, like, okay, all right. And, and you, you know me yeah. well enough now. It's like, you know, there are lots of things you can do and, and you, you, the way I treated that situation, if you were 12 and you just didn't want to play golf anymore, um, I would ask you why and, and just go down that path a little bit when you're, when you're yeah. 18. Um, I mean, you're, you're a man at that point in time and you're, you're deciding what you want to do. And I, I got a chuckle out of the, cause you already had, a, you already <laughs> had a plan and, and it was like, 
I think I might have laughed on the phone call. So I, you told me you shot 81. I remember that. And you said, I don't want to try for the team. I'm not going to play tomorrow because I think there were two qualifying rounds maybe. Um, I'm not going to yeah. play tomorrow and in the same breath. But would you mind if I went ahead and joined a fraternity? <laughs> and, and I was, <laughs> and I, I was, I was 100% fine with that. I really was. Um, I, I yeah. wasn't disappointed in you. I didn't think anything bad of you. Um, you know, any college sport is a huge commitment and there are also choices and, and what, and that parallels life, right? So every day sure. you have choices to make and where you spend your time and how you want to do it is totally fine. I mean, it, as long as it's yeah. not destructive. And so when you told me that I, I honestly, I know we've never talked about it. I was perfectly fine with that. I got off the phone and, and I said, man, man, <laughs> to mom, I said, uh, boy, you know, Matt doesn't dwell on things very long. I mean, he's, he was, he was disappointed <laughs> in this golf and, but he wants to move on. And I, I said, that's a really good quality. I was actually kind of proud of you for making that decision. Huh. I really was. And, uh, yeah. you know, I would have loved, you would have, had you made it and experienced the college golf thing, you, you would have liked it too. You would have, you would have loved it because it's yeah. a really good experience and I know how it was for me, but at the same time, you know, you, you went, you moved on and you did really well at school and you graduated and look where you are now. I mean, you know, you, you think about yeah. that. So, yeah. So you can ease your mind. I wasn't critical. no i mean i just just curious you know because you know i think uh there's a big dynamic between parents and and young athletes and you know whether it's um you know cultural dynamics or just the parent child dynamic um uh parent coach or just standalone parent um like there's just all kinds of different dynamics and i think um you know i've seen personally a lot of that, um, across different cultures. And, um, you know, for lack of better words, sometimes I see parents, you know, living vicariously through their kid a little bit, you know, kind of, kind of worried that, you know, the kid might disappoint them or, you know, I really want Johnny to go to Duke and I want to be able to tell all my buddies about that. Yeah. And yeah, I guess, I don't know, just what, what kind of advice yeah. do you have for yeah, parents so- out there and just, yeah, yeah. I, I have two things I want to talk about. So the one thing I'll tell you for sure is my dad and mom never once asked me if I was going to practice that day and never once asked me if I wanted to play college golf. Not once, ever. I, mm-hmm. I decided that I wanted to do that on my own once I started liking the game. Uh, the, the other yeah. thing, and you'll, you'll, you and I have talked about this one before, it involves you and me. So I remember it distinctly when, when you were, we were at Westfield. So we were at the club I belong to now. And, uh, yeah. you know, I had a good college career, good high school career. I played some high level amateur stuff after, uh, getting out of college and my game was sharp and by golly, Matt's going to be a good player. That's, that was in, that was my <laughs> mindset and I'm good. And I'm going to yeah. be the one that teaches them how to get there. That's, that's how I was approaching this. So we'd go play and uh, you actually had a really good, you started out left-handed, had a really good swing there, switched over to right-handed on your own and had a really good swing there and had a lot of talent. And uh, I, I kept, 
sticking my foot in my mouth when we were on the golf course saying, Hey, I know you hit an okay shot there, but you know, your grip was here and you should have done this. And, you know, you know, when you, you didn't get up and down there and I just on and on and on. So any parent who's ever done that, you can, you know what I'm talking about. And any parent who's seen somebody do that, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So you uh, had uh, a lot of gumption at that point, and I'll give you a lot of credit for it because most kids won't speak up. You said to me, um, I don't want to play golf with you anymore. <laughs> and I was like, I was devastated. And I said, why not? And you said, because you won't leave me alone when we're playing golf. And all you want to do is try to tell me what to do. <laughs> so that, so, so for all of you listening out there, that, that probably lasted for the entire next summer and into yeah. the next one. And I finally, I was, I was just dying because I couldn't, I wasn't getting you to play golf with me. You were playing with your buddies. So I finally made a deal with you and I said, uh, I got a deal for you. Uh, I want to play golf with you again, but I won't say a word. And you, and, and, and I, really, let's just go play golf. And I'll let, you know, you can yeah. do whatever you want. We don't, you know, you can just talk about whatever you want. And you looked at me like, yeah, right. You're really not <laughs> going to do that because I know you better than that. And I said, no, I promise that I will not say a word about it. And that, uh, and, and I stuck to that word. Well, you and I played a lot of golf after that. And uh, we yep. enjoyed it. We actually, we loved playing golf. I, I love playing golf with you and it, seems like you love playing golf with me still and uh we really enjoy each other's company if you wouldn't have spoken up um i don't i think i would have lost you on the golf course i think i do i would Mm. and i think i think it's sad when that happens because it's going to happen to somebody yeah so i mean like looking back that's an easy thing to talk about and kind of reflect and stuff like that but in in the moment like how do you keep from doing that? Well, you, so you don't do it in the moment. You do it as a conscious decision before you even go. And um, if I had if I had decided that that was going to be my approach, like I did after you told me to take a hike, then then right. I would have never said anything derogatory to you, and you would have never known the difference. And there's a good quote out there, and I don't remember who said it. Somebody like Ken Venturi or. I don't know. It could have been Sam Snead or something like that. And they said, if you have yeah. a junior player and you're playing golf and they want to go hunt for frogs in the Creek on number two during your round, yep. go let them hunt for frogs in the Creek on number two. Cause that's what they're going to remember about golf. Yep. Yep. Just keeping yep. it fun. Exactly. That's the bottom line. Yeah. Um, any of any other advice that you would give to parents? Uh, you know, course the parent has to be the encourager so you know the flip side of that is um, always be in the sounding board if they want to talk about it and I think the way I'd approach that is um, just like Bernie did with me um, you know hey tell me about your round today and if you don't want to talk about it then that's fine but um, if a if a child daughter or son knows that you really care and you really want to know what happened out there even if you tell them Hey, I got to ride in the cart with the uh, with the food person. Then, then right. 
if you really show an interest in that and make a conscious decision to ask those questions when they get done, then I think it will make all the difference in the world. And the bottom line of the whole thing is, can you play this game for a lifetime and enjoy it with a passion like I have for it still at age 60 to, to play, to play yeah. the game and to work at it? Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. I think that's good advice. Um, I want to shift a little bit and talk about golf and business. So, I mean, you came out of college. You were the head pro at Westfield. Um, which is the course that you still belong to for one year. And you decided that that's not what you wanted to do. So I think the reason I want to talk about this is um, two weeks ago, I had the director of the PGA golf management program from Eastern Kentucky on Mm -hmm. uh, just because I wanted to give this community um, some ideas around there are careers in golf. Um, There are different ways that you can use golf and business Oh, by the way, there's 18 schools out there in the country that have this program called uh, PGA Golf Management, and these are the types of things that they study and that type of stuff. So um, you went on to be a a teaching professional for a very, very short uh, period of time, and then you decided not to. So can you kind of just talk through like what you when you were in college you know kind of towards the end what you were thinking about in terms of career and then as you went through that next year what you experienced that changed your mind a little bit and led you down into the insurance industry yeah yep. and uh, i want to start my junior year so i won i won my only college event uh when i was a junior and at that point said i can play this game professionally and so but by the time i was a senior um, I started looking at who I had to beat to be a professional and I wasn't beating any of them. So I decided before yeah. I graduated, I decided that I want a really good business career because the business world fascinated me and it fired me up. So I wanted to do, I wanted to be a businessman, whatever that was. So I had a marketing and management degree uh, when I graduated and uh, hired on uh, actually right down the road from where I grew up at, a, at an insurance company. And um, I, I hired into the insurance company as an insurance marketing trainee. I actually didn't come into it as a golf professional, but B- Bernie yeah. Allen was the head professional at that point in time. And he was going to retire within, I think it was about 18 months of when I got there. And, and the CEO of the company uh, thought we were very similar in demeanor and our mannerisms and our dealings with people. And he asked me if I would be interested in, in uh, training for Bernie's job. And I said, yes, because I admired him so much, uh, Bernie that is. And uh, so in 1984, I was the head golf professional, went through the apprentice program, partly um, taught lessons, worked in the pro shop, uh, did everything you would do at the club level to be the golf professional. And um, I was given an opportunity to say, did I like it or not at the end? And I did not. Yep. Uh, it wasn't for me. I, gr- I had grown up in the business. Um, I, I really liked the idea because I had been exposed to some of that in my marketing training. I really liked the idea of being uh, the host of the customers on the golf course and bringing them to the to the club and then going to their golf courses and playing golf with them. And I could, I couldn't do that as a head golf professional. I wanted to be on the business side. So that's where, that's why I decided in 1984, I decided to go back into the business. And I was, uh, that's when I was transferred into my first field 
position in Indianapolis, Indiana. And uh, golf-wise, I wouldn't have played uh, the, the golf courses that I played in my career had I not been in business, in my opinion. Yep. Um, I, I have competed at a very high level for many, many years and still have aspirations of, of doing so. So I was able to satisfy the competitive edge. I've made a, a good living you know, we raised you and your, your sisters and have a great family life and, and uh, have had a really, really good marriage and uh, didn't have to do a ton of travel, uh, much like the PGA life, which it is for some people. It's not for me. Um, so I, yep. you know, all those things weighed into it. But, you know, I've, I've made I've done a lot of business on the golf course, a lot. And I've been asked to play golf courses with my customers who knew I had an interest in golf and knew I could play golf. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a rare person. And you know, this because you're a good player. It's a rare person who gets invited to play in a lot of golf events at really good golf courses. um, Unless you're, you know, a pretty good player. And, and I, I don't mean that you can be a bad player, and never get invited to play golf. I'm just saying, I think it helped me in my career. Yeah. I was having that conversation. Uh, I was up at uh, PJ headquarters last week, as you know, um, for annual tournament meetings. And I can't remember who I was having the conversation with, but we were talking about, uh, or I was telling them about how many different places you have played um, just through business. Oh. Um, actually it was, I take that. It was, I was actually playing at Sawgrass and yeah. Uh, the title sponsor of our uh, event, uh, one of their board members was playing with us and he and I were having that discussion. Um, where are some of the places that you've played just kind of for the audience, just who are interested yeah, in that? Yeah. Uh, and uh, so, so the highlight of my golf career was when you and I played Augusta national together. And um, yeah, I can sure. tell you, I play, I've played it twice and I can tell you that if I had not been in the insurance business or, I guess any kind of business, but this was insurance related. One of my biggest right. brokers in Atlanta was a member of Augusta National Golf Club, and they knew I would appreciate playing Augusta National and that I could play well there. And they invited me not once but twice. Yeah. And then uh, the relationship we built, personal off the golf course, allowed you and I to play there together because the owner of that insurance agency understood that you know how close we were and that we would both enjoy it so much and we've played there uh and so that that's the highlight of my career but that you know i would have never played there had i not been in the business world uh pine valley in new jersey ranked uh actually higher than augusta national by one notch uh played there with a business acquaintance from indianapolis indiana an attorney had i not been in business in indianapolis indiana i wouldn't have played pine valley um right Sciota, Inverness, both played with insurance brokers. Bahala in uh, Louisville, Kentucky with an insurance broker. Um, I mean, I could go, my my best customer in Atlanta, Georgia, Mike Breedlove. Yeah. You know, Mr. Breedlove. Um, He and I did lots and lots of business together and we played lots and lots of golf together. And and we did it as part of our, our business routine. 
and our relationship. Yeah. And it just goes on and on and on. I mean, my business career put me at Westfield Country Club. And uh, yeah. that's where I think I was destined to be. And I'll, I'll probably uh, play my last round at Augusta National be before I die. <laughs> so that's yeah. where I plan on playing my last round. So you just, you, you just <laughs> never know. I mean, I, I, I would be the number one proponent of, of career and golf outside of a of playing career. Yeah. 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 I'm curious. I want to send you, I was just looking at a magazine uh, that I got golf magazine yesterday. Um, I've played three out of the top 100 courses in the world. Yeah. They've got a world list on there. I'm kind of curious if you went through it, uh, the ones that you've played. So mine have been Augusta sawgrass and peach tree, which I think oh, you've played peach yes, tree I also. Have. Yes, I have. I forgot that was on there. Uh, the last count I had, I had 13. And I didn't really? look at the most recent one. Is it in the, I don't know if it's, what's, what what edition? Golf? It's golf Magazine. I just got it this okay, week. So I'll get mine pretty soon. I haven't looked at it yet. But, yeah, I, I yeah. have fun doing that every year. And it'd be nice to knock off a few more. But um, Yeah, I know. You know, you just never know when you're going to be able to. But you've played some good ones. You know. Yeah, yeah for sure. Really good. You and I have yeah. played all the same ones so far. So three of those. Yeah, yep. Yeah, you played. Uh, I forgot you played Sawgrass I did, in 1984. Yep, yep. Yep. You were telling me that before I went and played. Said that uh, it just opened. It, I it think, had. Right? It had. Uh, excuse me. I'm sorry. 1982. 1982. Yep. 82. It was before okay. I graduated. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to. I want to talk about something I kind of skipped over, but I think it's important just for this group. Um, so, <clears throat> something I really admire about you is just your your discipline. Um, and it's something that I've been trying to work on. And it's interesting, like, you know, that I was been going through this, um, this journey trying to, you know, build some better habits for myself and stuff like that. And, um, it's funny, like, you know, as I look back and reflect on a lot of the stuff that I've learned, it's things that you've actually already taught me, mm -hmm. um, that were just kind of pulled out of me in a different way, okay. um, that kind of made me, you know, realize, um, you know, some just different disciplines. And I mean, some of the things that I was doing, um, uh, over the last couple months as part of this program were, you know, reading consistently and staying hydrated, um, you know, working out consistently, um, you know, different stuff like that. And, you know, I look back, like you, you made a comment to me when I told you that I was doing this and you're like, Oh man, like, I'd really like to do something like that, you know, challenge myself. But when I was thinking about it, you do a lot of that stuff already and you do it very consistently and you have for your entire life. So, I mean, we haven't really talked about this today, but I know if you don't mind me sharing, yeah. you know, you kind of grew up where, um, you didn't have a lot of rules, you know, right. it's kind of like you could, and I think your dad said to you one time that, um, you know, I don't care what you do, um, care what time you come in. I don't care what time you go to bed, but you better be on the mower at five o'clock in the morning <laughs> um, or whatever, whatever time it was, uh, you're going to mow fairways or don't miss mowing fairways. <laughs> and um, so I'm just kind of curious growing up in that environment, uh, obviously doing a lot of manual labor. So there's a lot of discipline in that, but like, how have you stayed so disciplined over the yeah, years? So um, discipline really comes from wanting to get better and succeed at something right so 
Um, yeah. The things I want to be really good at in my life are my faith, my family, my work, my career. And then I call the fourth one athletics, which is really golf. So any, you know, yeah. staying in shape and, and stretching and, you know, all the stuff that goes into that. And so if you could take, if you take any one of those four things that I have as a mantra, um, I, I literally, let's just talk about golf. So there's not a day. I, I'm just passionate about it. Maybe everybody's not. I am. I, there's not a day that goes by where I don't wake up and think about golf at, at some point and figure out how am I going to get better at this game? And I'm going to do that until I'm too old not to. And so I think part of that is just luck because I'm so passionate about it. I truly believe I was destined to be on this earth. Uh, and one of my, one of my passions was going to be golf. And I, so I, yeah. first of all, I'm passionate about it. Second of all, I cannot stand not to get better. And so I'm always, you know, I'm, I'm looking at, you know, you were surprised a month ago when I said, Hey, I'm looking at different putters. I've had the same putter for 25 years. And your only response was why? Well, I'm looking, you know, so I didn't average the number of putts I wanted to average this year. Why is that? I don't know what, whatever reason it was. So those kinds of things um, cause me to discipline myself. So as you get older, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be 60 in February. Um, I'm, I mean, you just naturally lose your physical ability and yeah. mine's not real evident yet, but it's there. And so I'm trying to outrun this inevitable deterioration in my physical ability. <laughs> and so, so <laughs> I, whether it's, whether it's dumb or not, I'm, I'm doing it. So I, I stay disciplined, uh, first of all, because I like it. I, I love the discipline. I love the structure, just like what you went through. I, I'm envious that you did that. I would love to do it um, just because I like to do it. Not everybody's like that. Um, some kids, um, you could put two kids on the, on the practice facility at eight o'clock in the morning. And what you would look for is the one that is going to spend on their own the time it takes to be better. And it could be a passion. Uh, there's not a parent. I, I've coached kids and there's, there's not a coach or a parent that's going to make the kid shoot 503 free throws and love it. But the one who shoots them and doesn't get, have any, any uh, instruction from anybody or any rules is the one you're, you're probably going to end up saying, this is the one that I want on my team. And so yeah. I, you know, I, I, first of all, I like the discipline to sum up. I, I love the discipline of it. Um, I want to get better at everything I do. And so that drives me to, to do the things I do. And I'm always trying to figure out ways to get better at it. Um, one one yeah. of the things you did in your 75 hard, which is your, which is your program that you just finished was train in a, you know, 20 to 42 pound uh, weight vest when you walked or ran or did other workouts. Yeah. I'm getting one of those. because <laughs> I, uh, I, <laughs> love what you told me about that. And so that fires yeah. me up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's interesting. I mean, I, 
I don't know. I mean, I, you know, growing up and, you know, I kind of, I bucked the system a lot, <laughs> right. You know, with, <laughs> to say it politely, um, there's a guy named David Goggins. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of him or not, but he's an ex Marine. And, um, I actually posted something earlier today on Instagram, just uh, a quote. I can't remember exactly how he said it, but, um, I think it's important for this group to hear just because, you know, it's something that took me a lot of years, honestly. I mean, you planted a lot of really good seeds in me and it just took a long time for them to grow. And, um, you know, and sometimes people just have to figure stuff out on their own. And I think you're, you know, mom, super patient about that. Um, and you know, I'm thankful that, that you were able to do that. Um, and, kind of stay composed through it, even though I wasn't, you know, the, the easiest to manage at times. Um, and then, you know, I was able to kind of figure it out, sure. uh, you know, 30 years into my life, 33 years into my life where um, kind of learned to like the harder things, uh-huh. I guess is what I'm starting to figure yeah. out. And, you know, he makes a comment where, you know, you come to a fork in the road and you can go, down to the right, which is a little bit of an easier path. Um, and it doesn't mean that you're going to have a bad life, but it's, you know, it's a good life. Um, you know, you can do a lot of fun things and you can, you know, enjoy it and, you know, different stuff like that. But if you had taken a left, um, and went down the hard Mm -hmm. road, um, it's even more rewarding than you can imagine even though you felt like going down the right path, you were enjoying it and having fun and different stuff sure. like that. So, I mean, I don't know. What would you say? Yeah. About that? So that's a very small group. So congratulations on, on what you've done and uh, where you've gotten in your life. And uh, you know, one, there's a, there's a Bible verse out there and I'm going to paraphrase uh, welcome yep. adversity for learning is, is really the bottom line of the verse. And so, yeah. Um, when you're, and and there's also one around parenting where, you know, a child isn't going to learn anything unless you, you let them basically get their feet wet. And so, um, a lot of what we did to let you do things that you wanted to do were, um, on purpose. And so if you, you, you know, my, my dad followed me. At, at Good Park Golf Course, you've played there, a good old municipal golf course in Akron that's one of my favorites of all time. Uh, yeah. I was playing pretty well. Uh, I thought I was going to win this tournament going into it. I think I was age 12, maybe, maybe 13. And I proceeded on the first six holes. I mean, I've played this course a million times. Went first six holes, six sixes in the first six wow. holes and my, my dad yeah. was following me and a typical reaction for a kid who gets along with their parents and depends on their parents is to look over and, you know, what, what do I do, dad? What do you, what should I do? Yeah. And so I did that and he said, I guess you better finish around now. And that mm. was it. And it's yeah. like, go sink in your hole and what are you going to get? What are you going to get out of this? And so I remember that lesson distinctly. It was on the back nine at Good Park. I started on 10 and 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. I I was at 36 after six holes. 
horrible, yeah. just horrible. But so he did that on purpose. Um, we did, we did those things on purpose for you. We let the rope out as far as we could before you hurt yourself, basically <laughs> right. is, is what we did. And then you and I had that conversation uh, in the car after your, um, I think it was your junior year. And I had let enough rope out at that point in time. Yeah. And you remember the conversation. I'm not going to repeat the language I used and <laughs> something like get your act together maybe a little, a little yeah. stiffer than that. Yeah. It's time to qu yeah. quit messing around. And, uh, and yeah. you took that and you did something with that, but I let you up to that point kind of almost choke yourself because you yeah. were, you were, you were in a spot where you needed to make some changes. And so yeah. advice to parents, it's okay to, it's okay to make a six because don't mm -hmm. tell them it's okay. And that, you know, don't worry about it or anything like that. The answer is, you know, I know you're disappointed, but what are you going to do about it? Right. Interesting. Yeah. Well, that's really all I've sure. got, honestly. Um, I've really enjoyed this. It's been fun. It has been fun. I've really enjoyed talking to you. I learned a couple new things about you today. And uh -oh. I hope, hope you learned a couple new ones about me. That's the idea of this, but for sure, really welcome the yeah. opportunity to share. I really do. The, the golf has been, uh, I get, I have hair standing up on my arm right now talking about golf. Literally. I, I do this. <laughs> it, it happens every, every single day. I can't wait to play the next time I get a chance. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, you guys book your trip and get down we here. Will. And, we uh, will. we'll tee All it up. Right. All right. Sounds good, Matt. Uh, Sure, right. I enjoyed talking to you. I love you, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Dad. Love right. you, too. See you. All right. Bye. Well, guys, that does it for Episode 15 of Junior Golf Keys. I really appreciate you guys tuning in. Obviously, this was a very special week for me, special interview for me uh, with my dad. Had a great time chatting with him. Had an opportunity to learn a couple things, uh, new things, uh, which is always nice. Um, golf is a game that has done a lot for our relationship. Um, we both obviously really enjoy playing. We love playing together, competing against each other. Um, and so super thankful that I had the opportunity to bring him on and share some of that stuff with you guys because I think it's going to provide some value um, just for those parents and players out there as they kind of continue to navigate their journey in the junior golf world and in their relationships as parent and child. And uh, hopefully you guys were able to take something away from some of the experiences that my dad and I have had. So if the, if you did take away some value from this show, please share it, please leave a review. Also make sure that you subscribe so you don't miss out on some of the exciting guests that we have coming up. Uh, really looking forward to that as we move towards the end of the year and uh, really appreciate you guys tuning in. So hope you had a great Thanksgiving and I hope you tune in next week for another episode of Junior Golf Keys.